0: Hello Sixes, welcome to Life Uninhibited. I'm your host, Kristen Messaggi, and today we are going on a journey around the concept of projection. This was a beast for me to put together. I got so up in my head about it. There were many iterations of various pieces, and I did not let it take me out. It's here. It lives. Please enjoy Hi, sixes. Okay, this is the first, maybe of many, who knows, episodes about projection. Projection is the main psychological defense mechanism attributed to sixes. Every number has like a main one and then some sort of sub ones that also get attributed to it. And I really want to provide some context before we dive into it, because I think it's important. And I like to really add context to the way that I look at these concepts because as sixes who question everything, we also have a tendency to swallow things whole if they give us a sense of safety and internal sturdiness. And Psychologizing things tends to be one of the ways that, well, humans these days really like to find a sense of stability and certainty. However, there's major frickin' pitfalls here, right? Psychologized language has been weaponized we use it against ourselves. We use it against others. It's really a problem. So when I go into saying, hey, sixes, this is what this is and this is how we do it. I'm kind of operating in a context that I don't necessarily want to be in. So it's important for me to pull the lens back and share the ways that I'm questioning the overall context because it for me is going to be less um less of a tendency to be able to shame ourselves with the con- with the uh with the information or the concept as well as really bringing and honoring any kind of wounding trauma responses all of that into the room because the frame of psycholog psychologization <laughs> I don't know if that's how you say that the frame is that there are bad ways to be neuroses okay and this is the, this has got the enneagram all up in it because you've got the enneagram of personality really really uh, kind of crystallized with Claudio Naranjo with character and neurosis being his book. So the Enneagram has very much become another way that we psychologize each other, right? Psychologize ourselves and each other. Oh, let me tell you about you. Let me tell me, it's just it's a real mess and even though i'm swimming in these waters i want to i want to do a better job than what i'm seeing out there so there's sort of my spiel also when we look at jung i'm using jung because we're going to talk a lot about the unconscious so you've got de- personality defense mechanisms came from freud this like was not a con- and this is a theory right this is freud's view on the world And his view on the world became so much of how we think about everything, not necessarily for the better, not necessarily for the worse. We just get to question these things. I'm not going to get into questioning Freud because that's not why we're here. However, (laughs) some legitimate questioning that can be done. So pivot to Jung, who had a much wider lens on what is the unconscious. He shared the idea that Freud taught him and he added in the idea of a collective unconscious that not only are we unaware of our own mechanisms that are happening, but we're also carrying so much from the collective, everybody, right? The past and our cultures and whatever the heck the collective unconscious is, right? It's not a thing you can point to and be like, that's it, there it is. But that is part of this whole idea is that there's a lot going on in this thing we call a human system. And when we individualize it, which to some degree, well, not to some degree, Jung did this too. Jung was a proponent of becoming a whole individual by clearly understanding your unconscious. And I love that idea. I mean, don't get me wrong. I love to psychologize the shit out of things. Like it's a fun pastime, do it all the time. but I'm really starting to soften the edges there because I feel in my body, the weaponization of this. And I see it in my practice all of the time. This general sense of I start bad and my work is to get good. Look at the levels of development Enneagram. We can be healthy or we can be unhealthy. We can be integrated or we can be disintegrated. And there's pretty clearly a pretense of there's a right and a wrong way to be, which does not. Take into account actual humans in actual human context trying to get by in this crazy ass life that we've got to work with and these cultural contexts, some of which are complete bullshit, which I've ranted in other places about things. I'll do some more here, but that's not what we're here to do today. Okay, so that's where we're starting from. (laughs) So if we're going to buy that, we want to be healthy. We want to be sturdy psychologically, which I do by that, okay? I do. <laughs> but what does that mean? What does that look like? Is that free from anything that we think is bad? Is that is that not engaging in coping mechanisms? like what what does that mean? What does it mean to be psychological healthy? And by the way, I do think well, here, I'll just give you my definition. So psychological sturdiness, which in my opinion, uh, it does well to be have this on board first prior to applying spiritual principles, which have us kind of like detaching from ourselves. But if we don't have a sense of who we are first, then it just gets all gaslighty and weird and judgy and not here for it. I do actually think there's an order of operations. So, when I talk about being psychologically sturdy, this is not free from trauma or not ever doing human, copy things that look weird and maybe are confusing to people on the outside. That's not what I'm talking about. To me, true psychological sturdiness is being there, there's enough internal space to hold and contain a whole lot of discomfort, okay? To be psychological sturdy means I am not at every corner trying to get away from my own internal discomfort. That I have first done the work to grow big enough to hold the intensity of my own emotional experience. And that is kind of it in a nutshell, right? Can we contain, can we be with what is happening inside of us without psychologizing it or projecting it out? Okay, we're gonna we're gonna get there, promise. But the other thing this gives us when we have this internal space to contain our own humanity as much as possible then how we treat ourselves becomes very different. So if I look at a concept like projection and I see things, I'm gonna be able to be like, ooh, okay, ooh, oh, I'm gonna be able to hold maybe the sort of ickiness there. I'm gonna maybe be able to hold solid in what I see as opposed to if I see something about myself that does not line up with who I think I need to be as a six, who I need to be to be safe and secure, if I'm gonna see something and that's gonna take me out because I'm gonna be like, oh my gosh, you're gonna die because that's what happens, then why am I gonna go looking at a concept like projection? It's like not for you or me or us at that point. It's gonna be used against. So this whole mm, foundation of I'm allowed to be a human who is messy, who does human things, including project and all the other things that we do to cope with our humanity. It's actually the acceptance of that globally that allows for us to see more and have more conscious awareness and dare I say, control over ourselves rather than the external world. Okay, so here's here's a real life, real life projection example. So I just spent, what, 10 minutes talking about my thoughts about things, my sense of things from myself and my experience and my work and really how I <laughs> frame all these things. Okay, that, my system, something in me, believes that puts me at great risk. And it's very painful and scary. The anxiety that that produces is very uncomfortable. So if I squeeze around that anxiety, right? If I get tight around that, it it literally is like this. Okay, I want you to do this with me, okay? If I'm sort of open and soft and just with myself, then I can hold that anxiety makes sense. I'm scared. Putting myself out there is scary. That's not weird. Okay. If I tighten up, if my system and my physical body tighten up and I start resisting that anxiety, then the projection starts to happen. And what happens is all of a sudden I'm up in all of your brains who's listening. And here's what you are thinking. (laughs) You're thinking, what the fuck is she talking about? She has no idea about anything. I just came here for the projection. (laughs) She's so full of herself. She thinks that her ideas actually matter. Ha, what a joke. Okay, those are the thoughts that I put in your head if I can't just be with, ooh, my own sense of it being really scary to share more of what I actually think about things, right? Than just being on Instagram or Facebook and like writing, you know, whatever, catchy Enneagram six stuff. No, this is like, hey, this is me. This is who I am. These are my philosophies. This is how I orient to the world. It's freaking scary. So if I can't be with that fear and that anxiety, then I hang out in all of your brains, putting my scary thoughts out there. And then I've got a weird relationship actually with, the uh, people I'm imagining in my head. You see how this happens? And then I start morphing myself against that image. I get smaller, I say less things, all of that. So all that said, I think there is a really cool Enneagram principle that we can grab onto to kind of get us in the right mindset to go do some looking and some digging if we really do wanna use projection for us. In terms of courage, the virtue of point six, this is really not about us going out into the world and doing courageous things. Not when it comes to what the Enneagram is really talking about. It is about turning our gaze inward in the most courageous way. Can we really develop the courage to see ourselves clearly and hold in what we and this is where projection is a powerful invitation to do this work. It's one of the most direct ways we actually can get a look at what is going on inside. So this is what courage in the terms of the Enneagram is really about. Hey six, can you, what, what's it going to take? What's in the way of you turning toward yourself and courageously seeing what is really going on in there. As opposed to this image of who you think you need to be, who you are supposed to be, to be safe and secure. Okay, there's two Carl Jung quotes that I want to pop in here because I think they're fitting. The first one is, there is no coming to consciousness without pain. When we talk about courage, when we talk about looking inside, it is, doesn't feel good and this is why like first and foremost how's your capacity for discomfort how is it and this is not this is not like a judgy question this is a let's be curious and really honest with how we feel about our ability to handle internal discomfort first matters that we know how to take care of ourselves as we go on psycho-spiritual journeys. It actually matters. Okay. Secondarily, we cannot change anything until we accept it. Condemnation does not liberate. It oppresses. This is true internally. If we are going to to condemn what we see, then let's not look yet. Let's get to a place where we are like courageous explorers and we're fascinated by what we might find. Because then what you find is going to be held extremely differently. Okay, so what is a defense mechanism? It says here on simplypsychology.org, these are psychological strategies that are unconsciously used, okay? We don't know they're happening. That's why so many people are like, I don't see this one. I'm like, well, it's unconscious. <laughs> like you wouldn't. You really have to look for it. They are unconsciously used to protect a person from anxiety, we could say fear, arising from unacceptable thoughts or feelings. According to Freudian theory, defense mechanisms involve a distortion of reality in some way so we are better able to cope with a situation. Okay, this is where I think this makes sense. If we're going to go with this whole idea, it makes sense that it gets applied to sixes because we have so much internal angst, or at least if things go, if if the various structures we have in place to not feel the angst, if there's cracks in those, or we just are aware of a lot of internal angst, and it's really challenging to own the internal creation of that discomfort. It's much easier for us to imagine that all of that discomfort is coming from things that are happening out of us. Okay. This is literally, I've been, listen, the journey of putting this podcast together has been so challenging for so many reasons that I won't get into because I'd just be here all day rambling about myself. But this is really what has landed for me is that the ownership of the creation of our own internal discomfort is what we kind of can't uh don't want to deal with. And I and as I say that, the reason that's so tender for me to say because it's so easily in a sixth mind is then gonna be like, but what about all this really hard stuff that I deal with? Like, how do I know? When do I get to be upset about what someone else does? Okay, this is why this is such a tricky conversation because, and this is why boundaries are so incredibly important. This is why I think boundaries more than projection. It's like, we just have such a hard time not throwing ourselves under the bus if we see that we are quote at fault For anything. So, this is why I think one projection is, yes, probably correctly attributed to sixes, and also why we need to be so careful with it. Sixes, particularly, are very attached to who they think they are supposed to be to feel safe and secure. And by attached, I don't mean that's not a choice, that is not a conscious choice. This is who my system has decided I need to be in the world to not die. Okay? This is serious business. That's why we need to take ourselves seriously in a kind way. The stuff that our bodies do is because our unconscious thinks, if we don't do those things, we'll probably die. We can then go further and say, okay, if I have a self-concept that requires, I see myself as a good, loyal, dutiful person who is not a threat, who can't really be mean, who isn't hurtful. I mean, all of the things, when you think about who you think you need to be to be safe and secure, if you are not prepared to see a different version of you without uh kind of dissolving because here's what happens when we see ourselves in a certain way and we aren't really prepared for that one of two things is going to happen one you're going to feel so much internal discomfort that you're going to plummet to shame right that tends to be the other safe place if it's like oh I see that I did something quote bad then suddenly I'm going to shame myself and even though that stinks, It it's kind of like, well, it's familiar. There's a security there. The other thing the personality will do is just deny it, right? Just like, nope, that's not happening. That's not a thing. Or it's that person's fault. Well, I do that because. So if your self-concept requires that you are a certain way in the world, then you're not going to see your projections clearly it's going, it's just going to be too painful. It's going to be like, nope, not me. Or again, I plummet into shame. So there can be denial and defensiveness around this when we need to be right about who we think we are. And I just want to acknowledge how difficult it can be to start to soften and wiggle that. Because for a six, To start to consider, I may not be exactly who I think I am, I may have different impact in the world than I am aware of, starts to, you know, kind of rattle the foundation or the orientation that we are standing on. And when our fundamental orientation of who we think we are starts to get rattled, that triggers our core fear of loss of safety and security. That's why this is such a big deal and why so much courage is required to start to kind of take a different look here. So I have an example. Recently in a coaching session, um, client was talking about things she had said to her husband and I said, (laughs) like, yeah. We hurt each other in marriage, like as if that was just a thing that we all know. But she does not have that experience. It deeply impacted her, this moment of knowing, oh, maybe I actually have hurt this person that I love. Maybe I'm not just, you know, sort of at the whim of him. Maybe I actually can do that too. That moment ended up for her being a moment of great courage to look in to herself, but there was a a draw to get pulled into the shame. And ultimately, she was able to land in, oh, I actually have more impact here than I realized. If we can really bring courage to these things, it's like we become more equal instead of the under- one down position that sixes tend to approach life with. This weak, defenseless, small underdog. Or if we've gone really counterphobic, we've tried to go over, we've tried to get bigger and stronger and puffier than we actually believe we are. Um, And certainly more than we actually are. But when we can really bring courage to our depths, we, we write ourselves in the world with other people. I wish you could see this. I'm like, you know, my hands, I'm bringing them to equal. So for instance, in my marriage, I am well aware that I can hurt my husband. Now, that does not mean I go ahead and hurt him. In fact, it means I do it much less. Because I take my role as his equal very seriously. So when I'm in denial about how hurtful I can be, that means I'm going to be more hurtful, but I'm not going to be aware of it. The things that we find threatening are the things that we're not going to be able to own as ours. So aggression, big one for sixes. So if I can't tolerate that I have aggression inside, and we all do, especially if you really get a phobic six talking and they start to feel really safe, you will hear the anger in there. There's a lot of it. Kind of equally so, if you really get under the surface with a counterphobic six, it's like, oh, wow, <laughs> you're terrified. But you wouldn't know it, right? On the surface, it's the things that are acceptable are accepted. Everything else whoosh, into the subconscious and then gets projected. So if aggression is extremely threatening to you, you cannot um, really be with aggression. It's very possible that that is not going to be something you see in yourself. And it gets projected out onto others. and then other people become bigger. They become more threatening. they be, they loom really large. And instead of feeling like an equal, like you could just interact with them, it's like a, a cowering position to this aggression. Whereas if you can own, Your own aggression that becomes part of you, then you're able to be on a more equal footing. And what's really interesting is the big scary people generally in our lives become less scary because we get less scared. See how that works? (laughs) Okay, let me orient all of our brains, just my brain. I'm the one who needs it, to what's left here. So, Specific examples. I'm going to call them places to look if you're feeling courageous. And then, how do we stop? This is something a few of you have asked. And how do we know if it's us or if it's actually the other person with a problem, which is such a good question. We'll see how that goes. It may end up being a whole other thing, but let's just, let's, I say to myself, Kristen. Let's just forge on. Okay, specific examples. Four sixes. Any time, any time you are in someone else's brain, what if they think this? They're going to think this. What if so and so thinks this? Every single time you are doing that, which is probably a lot. This is probably where you're spending a lot of your mental energy. This is a time to ask. Are those my thoughts? Do I think that? I cannot think of a time in a coaching session when I have been listening to someone talk about what if this person thinks this and what if this person thinks this. And as we're working through something, if I can tenderly ask, well, let's explore your system. Are those your thoughts? Inevitably, when the person stops and slows down, and ask themselves that, the answer is yes. Those are my thoughts. Those are my thoughts about myself. So that is an incredibly useful place to look. What are the thoughts I'm having about other people? What do I think other people are thinking about me? What am I worried other people are thinking? What thoughts in other people's head am I using to not do something, not say something, et cetera, et cetera? There's a whole world of exploration there. Okay, so all of your thoughts that are in other people's brain, that's a good place to look. Are these my thoughts? Is this what I'm thinking about myself? Another place to look is things that really kind of tend to bug you on the regular. Qualities that people have that you really don't like, right? So this whole idea of projection is we dis own things in us that we've decided are too painful, too uncomfortable. They're just untenable in some way because we think to express them would be threatening. So this is where you can look at things like if someone you think is really arrogant or too confident, too bold, too certain. Another one here, some sixes are not uh, internally safe to dislike people. Some sixes have no problem disliking people. Many sixes, that does not feel safe. So if you hear someone talking about someone they don't like, that is like a time where you'll jump to defend that person, like do the devil's advocate thing, because in yourself, it's not safe to just not like someone. That's something that is really threatening. So again, anything in us, that if we were to be it or express it, our system tells us we would be putting ourselves in danger. And this is why it takes so much courage to look inside because we're saying, ooh, that thing that I think would put me in danger actually is a part of me, a part of my makeup. One of the sort of global... Beliefs, sort of foundational beliefs we're working towards here is I am safe to be a complex, full human, right? When we're engaging in a lot of projection, it's because we don't feel safe to be fully human, includes all the good things about ourselves. Projection in psychological terms, tends to be just negative things. For sixes, there's a whole lot of positive projection because holding our own accomplishments often gets disowned because we think being proud of ourselves or confident or whatever makes us a threat. We think if we are too confident or proud of our accomplishments, or sort of just standing in our own knowing about things, that feels very threatening on two different planes. One, we think that other people might see us as a threat, or our system worries that if we stand up too high, we'll get cut down, right? Someone will come in and disagree with us or disapprove of us or tell us that we're wrong. So if we just whoop, don't own any of that and stay in the like, oh, I'm not a threat land, that somehow we're safer. But it's such, this is such a tragedy. I really have so much emotion around this part. I have yet to have a client who, and this is me too, their view of themselves uh, is so much more negative than who they actually are. It makes me very emotional for myself and all of us because we're not doing the world. Well, who cares about the world? We're not doing... I do care about the world, that's not what I mean. We are not doing ourselves any favors by being smaller than we are. And here's the other thing I will tell you. As this balances out more, as we're able to be like grounded in... The fact that we know a thing or two, that we have really good qualities, it literally changes how we see other people. The people that are like so amazing. It's like they get to just become people. And the people that are so terrible, they kind of get to just become people. The more we become whole humans in our in our being, the more we can accept what's already there, the more I can more accurately see another person. It's really about becoming equal with other people. When I can accept I'm a whole human with all of the complexities that come with being a human, then I'm way more able to accept that you're a whole human with all the complexities that come with being human. And then we're literally playing a different game. We're in a different place in life when we've done enough Work that we've accepted who we actually are. Now, hear what I said not that we've done so much work that we've become a person that we think is safe and secure in the world. No, we've done enough work to actually own our full humanity and bring ourselves equal to the other adults in this world in our own minds, in our own sense of things. It's not about, um, actual hierarchical positioning in the world. That is not what I'm talking about. How do we stop? This is one of those questions that uh, cracks me up. One, because I don't know (laughs) Um, more... To the point, there's just so much baked into it, right? There's so much baked in. And this wraps way back around to the beginning of the podcast where we pathologize these things that we do. We make them bad and wrong as opposed to a different lens. So the lens that I take on this is I have a tendency to project. That is what I have a tendency to do. Good to know. I'm going to watch for it. I'm going to courageously look for the ways that I do that. I know that when I'm stressed, I'm going to do it more. I'm very aware that when my stress levels go up for any reason, when I'm under duress for any reason, I am much more likely to see things in other people. I am getting very tired. I've been working on this podcast and my brain literally said like just a second ago, this podcast sucks and everybody is going to hate it. <laughs> okay. Because I know that I'm tired and when I'm tired, my brain, like my whole system just powers down and then my thoughts go really negative because that is my state I projected this thought of like, oh no, what if this podcast totally sucks? I don't even know if I like it. That's painful. So I've just plopped that into everybody's head. You're all welcome. (laughs) But do you know what I mean? Like it's going to happen. My awareness around it is what keeps it from being More of an issue in my life. But here's the other thing I can project, I can get things wrong, I can mess things up. It's okay. That's part of being fully human. Am I building awareness around it? Am I willing to take accountability when I see it happen? If I do it to my husband, am I willing to say, oh, you know what? I actually think that's me. Like I'm in a bad space and I think I, you know, put that on you. Sorry about that. Um, Sorry, podcast listeners for thinking you all hate me half the time. (laughs) Let's tackle this last question here. How do we know when it's not projection? Like it really is the other person with the problem. This question, which a lot of people liked. So this is clearly one that a lot of people want to talk about. This question again, fundamentally wraps all the way back to the beginning of this podcast. What are we defining as a problem? And what are we holding up as like correct, safe functioning? Like what's going on here? So if we are assuming that there is a right way and a wrong way to be, rather than I get to make decisions Based on my experience that I'm connected to and I trust, then we are trying to solve these sorts of things in our head, where there is no answer to this question. Any time we're in a relationship situation, whether it is a close, intimate relationship or a more distant relationship, it's still two people in the relationship and so there's all of this like stuff going on and when we need someone to be right and someone to be wrong so that we have permission to do something to say something to make a choice we're we're kind of already lost right? It's like we're looking externally for permission to do something that we want to do, to say something that we want to say. So in this case, when it's like, I can't tell what's what, first we go in, okay, what's happening for me? How am I, am I connected enough to myself to just acknowledge, I don't like what's happening there. I don't like what that other person is doing. I'm not going to engage. I don't have to be right or wrong. I just get to decide. So we also just get to decide if we want to take on this idea of like, is there something there for me to explore? Is there something there for me to learn? That is not a have to. That is not anything than anyone gets to tell you that you have to do. This is a particular way that a spiritual principle of like, maybe there's something here for me to learn. Maybe there's a lesson here for me. Gets used against ourselves and becomes a should, right? I should somehow maintain this connection because there's probably something for me here. All that kind of stuff is really difficult for us to suss out as, I mean, I guess we could say in our attachment wounding, right? I mean, there's so many ways to psychologize this. (laughs) Oh, so many ways. At the end of the day, the more we know and are connected to our sense of things, which is our body experience, and the more we're willing to trust that, and we do that step by step by step, then we just get to make decisions about how we interact with other people. It doesn't matter if they have a problem or not. Like for sure, they're being a human doing human things. For sure. I don't know what those things are, but we can kind of guarantee that you're a human doing human things. Do I like it? Do I want to interact with it? What is my choice and decision here? So that's what I have for that. Let me know what y'all think. Okay. I had high hopes for this episode. I thought it was going to be really easy. Of course, it wasn't. Let's see what we think. All right, that's it. That is the first go around with not only projection, but the ways that we can over psychologize ourselves in general, and hopefully, some new. Framing around those concepts there'll be a lot more of that if you stick around it's definitely part of my fundamental thinking about things and how I work with people less psychologizing more humanizing talk to y'all soon